me another pair of glasses. You recognize you recognize these glasses? You remember these? Anybody remember these? You don't remember? No one remembers these? Well, but seriously, you don't remember these? Maybe I didn't tell you about these. Well, how are you going to remember if I didn't tell you? Might be a sermon in there, right? Take a good look at these glasses. They are an important important memory for me there have an important place in my life I was seven when I began to wear those glasses and my mom tells a story that it, on the way home from the, the eye doctor and the, I guess the optomical, opto, optometrist let's just say the optical center that, uh, that I had these glasses on and I was you know Little kids, so I'm up and I'm looking around. And she said, What do you see? And I said, The the trees have leaves on them, and I can see them. Now, even at seven, I knew that trees had leaves on them. But I'd never seen them before. Not clearly from a distance. And it was a marvelous sight. And I can remember to this day what it felt like to be able to see. To really see clearly. Because I had not been able to see before. And so you, if you were wondering, uh, why in the world has he still got glasses from that many years ago? And yes, it was that many years ago. Why in the world would I still have these? Because I am more grateful for my eyesight than I know how to explain to you. So maybe a good way to do that is just to say, I still have the glasses that God provided so I could see them when I was seven years old. Vision is incredibly important, isn't it? I'm looking around and I, I can see a number of you who are wearing glasses today, I have no idea how many of you have contacts in, and one of us no longer needs either of those. At least one. Jim had LASIK surgery and can see well now. Vision is important. It's important, it's important for us to be able to see clearly that off in the distance. In the distance that we can't see. That was the struggle that I had. I was nearsighted, right? And if you're like me, and it took me years to figure out how come it's nearsighted and farsighted, and what does that mean? And what, you know. I couldn't see things in the distance. And so they called me nearsighted. But there's the other as well. There is the farsighted that can't see up close. Now it's... I'm told not as common until you reach a little later in life that you begin to have that difficulty. That's not always the case, but for most of us that begin to have vision problems, we can see it close, but we can't see at a distance. And as the years go by and our body changes, then we find ourselves not being able to see it close. So that's why you, you younger people, that's why you see us, you know, sometimes dropping our glasses down. Or you see us looking over our glasses or looking under them when we're reading or whatever. 
You can't see up close. And in some ways, it's just as frustrating, just as much of a need to be able to see up close and not be able to see as it is to be able to see in the distance. So we need both. So I asked you this morning, whether you have glasses or contacts or neither, how clearly do you see? How clearly do you see today? How clear is your vision? How effective is your vision? In other words, how well do you see? I've been asking a number of those questions over these weeks as we've been studying Acts, and we're going to turn back to Acts again this morning, and we're going to conclude the story of Stephen. So we're at the end of chapter 7, if you want to follow along. And this very much has to do with vision. Stephen had been giving a defense, if you will. You remember, if you've been here, Stephen had been charged, accused of blaspheming God, blaspheming all that was important to them. The Jews, the people he was teaching. And they were angry with him because he was redirecting them. He was clarifying their vision. <clears throat> he had taken them through a, a, a very long remembrance of their past. In other words, you might say he was helping them to see in the distance, but in the distant past. He was doing that to help them understand what they needed to see in the future. And so we talked about their anger. We talked about the fact that they didn't receive what he had to say because it was, again, changing them. And sometimes when we newly see something we've not seen clearly before, we don't like it. We don't welcome it. It's the opposite of what I talked about. We frankly can see now clearly, and it's, we don't want to see it. We'd rather go back to the way we were before. But in this particular case, Stephen continues to press the issue. And he presses it to the point that they realize that in their case, as is sometimes our case, the reason we don't see is not just because of a handicap or a disability. We don't see because we don't want to see. Even when it's our eyes are open to it. And in this case, they weren't going to have it. And so they took Stephen out and killed him. But before they did so, a couple of significant statements occurred. And I want to read this passage to you again. I'm in, in Acts chapter 7. And Stephen has just really lowered the boom of the accusation on them. Verse 51, you stubborn people, you're, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? In other words, will you not let Him change you and open your eyes and inform you even now? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones you pre who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law. In other words, you had it, you saw it, you understood it. The perspective was there, and you chose to disobey even though you received it from the hands of angels. They were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. But full of the Spirit, 
Stephen gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. This was radical. This was inflammatory. This was a harsh word to be delivered to people far beyond you're just not able to see. Because if in fact what Stephen saw was true, there was more condemnation delivered upon those who chose not to see. Let me help you unpack that a minute if, if that doesn't quite make sense. The Jewish leaders, as well as the Jewish people, had worshipped God. They had no issue with that. But Jesus had come on the same claim, the same claiming to be sent as the Messiah, claiming to be the Son of Man. And I read just a few minutes ago that in verse 56, he, Stephen said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. It's the only time that title that Jesus used of himself to indicate his relationship with God. It's the only time that title is used up to this point outside of, of the Gospels. Stephen apparently understood what Jesus was saying about himself. And in fact, the Jewish leaders did as well. But they refused to accept it. Because if Jesus was who He said He was, then He was there with God. There was an equality He was stating. And if there was an equality, they would have considered that blasphemy because they didn't understand what He was trying to teach them. This would have been the final straw. This would have been reason to kill Him. But Stephen is trying to get them to see. He's trying to get them to see what they haven't seen and what they are struggling to see. He's gazing into heaven. Now, when's the last time you gazed into heaven? We'd like to gaze into heaven, some of us. We'd like to see what heaven's going to be like. Some of us were here yesterday for a memorial service. We said goodbye to the adult son of, of Joe, uh, one of our, our dear ladies here in the church. And we talked a lot about what life looks like. What life looks like as you come along the way and you get off the path. What life looks like when you when you begin to recognize maybe some of the things that you wish you'd done differently. We talked about where it leaves you when you realize you need something beyond yourself. And what it means when you come to a place of recognizing that only Jesus can fulfill that. You begin to see what you haven't seen and you accept it. 
Seeing what we can't see on our own is critical. Having assistance to do that is critical because you and I cannot see what we would have to see. We can say we'd like to gaze into heaven, but the truth is that without the assistance of God, we can't see into a realm that we were expelled from. Our sin, our rebellion to God led him to put us outside of the garden way back in the beginning. And we've been outside of it ever since. But Jesus came to help us see what we couldn't see. And in fact, in Jesus' coming, he brought what is con typically considered far, far away, heaven. He brought it near. We've talked about the kingdom of God coming on earth. And Jesus brought that kingdom so that standing on earth, he brought heaven near. And now after His death and His resurrection and His ascension into heaven, Stephen is able to see Jesus in heaven, far away and yet very near. I ask you again this morning, how well do you see? Are you still gazing way off into the future? at a heaven that is in some other place? Or do you have the eyes to see? Do you have the vision to see the reality that heaven has brought, been brought near? And we have an opportunity to stand at the intersection. We have an opportunity to help others see what it looks like to live at the intersection of this life and the next one. But we have to have assistance because we can't see that on our own. Stephen was saying, look, I see him. And even as he was inflaming them by the claim that Jesus is who he said he is, and I can see him standing at the right hand of God, which is referring to his power resulting from his exaltation. That God had, in fact, not only raised him from the dead, he put him in a place of power, and now he had authority over everything. And Stephen could see that. They heard and they put their hands over their ears, the scripture says, and they began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Because if Jesus is Lord, if heaven has come near, then we no longer have an excuse. We no longer have reason to believe that he's far off. And if He's come near, then we no longer have an excuse for not making a decision. Today, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for us. Today, I don't think the decision is so often made, I'm not going to, as much as it's just not made at all. Today, I think even though many say in their minds, I believe, that the conscious decision, knowing He has come near, to follow Him. To follow Him as if He is truly Lord. 
that Lord, that God, with that authority, that if we saw Him up close and personal like I can see you, and He was here in His glory, there would be no denying who He is. There would be no denying the power that He has. There would be no denying what He's calling us to do. But at a distance, we can attempt. We can say we'd like to. We can say we hope to. We can say, well, someday we will. In the meantime, you know, hey, I'm human, right? How many times have we said that? Well, I'm human. As they, begin to, as they began to stone Stephen, he makes the second thing that I want us to see. If seeing Jesus at the right hand of God was, in a sense, helping us to see in the distance, because the lens are brought, help us bring that image in close, then what he said next helps, helps us to see really up close what we haven't seen. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Have you heard that before? Someone in the midst of dying saying, receive my spirit. If it reminds you of Jesus' words on the cross, then you're on track. Jesus, dying Himself, said, God, don't hold this against them. But first He said, receive My Spirit. Now, Stephen doesn't say, God, receive My Spirit. He says, Jesus, receive My Spirit. There's an acknowledgement of who Jesus really is. As He's being killed, and he falls to his knees and then says, frankly, the unimaginable. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Again, Jesus had said that. Those who are nailing me to the cross, Father, don't charge their sin against them. And he in fact called his followers to do the same and we have a real example of one doing just that. This is not Jesus. This is not the one we say, well, okay, I know it's unthinkable, but he was in fact God. No, Stephen is just purely human. And yet he has the Holy Spirit in him, remember? Full of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, an actual human being, just like you and me, filled with the Spirit, is able to say as he is being killed in the process, as the stones are ripping him apart, he's able to pray, don't hold this sin against them. For me, it removes the possibility of believing, well, Jesus could do that, but we can't. <coughs> Thank you.
does he do it? Well, he had to want to. How do you and I want to forgive somebody who's killing us in the process? Do we want that? Would you want that? Would I want that? The hope of this passage is that filled with the Spirit, it's possible. And not just possible, we're in fact called to live this way. This isn't a good suggestion. We're called to live this way. This is in fact one of the ways we demonstrate that we are a follower of this Jesus. And Stephen has shown us how to do it. But we have to be able to see what we can't see otherwise. We have to be able to see that God made good on the resurrection and we can actually see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In other words, we can see in our mind's eye that Jesus is alive with the power and authority to intercede for us and continue our lives after death. And at the same time, we have to be able to see that right here and right now, you and I, with the power of the Spirit, have the ability to demonstrate. The ability to demonstrate to others. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but His Lordship in our lives. The actual Lordship of his life in our lives. If we can see, it's not easy to see. I don't mean to put this out there as, okay, yep, I will. We have to be so in sync with God through the power of his spirit. We have to be so immersed in his word that we're asking for the, the ability. We're asking for the empowerment of the Spirit to help us see so that we can then become not only aware and driven by what we can see, we become the lens for others to see. I ask you this morning how well you can see because until you can see this way, you and I can't be the lenses for others to see Him. And we're called to be that. We're called to be those lenses. Jesus said to the apostles, words maybe that are more familiar to you. What did He tell them? You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses up close and far off. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, right? Those familiar words to those of us in church. But what he meant is you're going to be witnesses to people that you're living with that know you and have known you. And you're going to be witnesses to people you've never met. How are you going to be the witness? Because you have to see him in his rightful place and accept Him as your personal empowering Lord capable of this type of love 
forgiving even those who are presently killing you kind of love. In order to be the lens through which others can see him. It's a radical challenge to me. I suspect it's a radical challenge to all of us. Jesus actually expects us as humans, you know, the ones who say, well, we're just human. He expects us to actually be in a place that we can forgive those who are killing us. Now, if we can be a place where we can forgive those who are killing us, then surely we can be in a place to forgive all the stuff that leads up to that. That's particularly appropriate in our day and age, isn't it? Because whatever else is going on in your life, I suspect that this next week and in the next coming few weeks, maybe in the next few months, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to practice forgiveness. We're going to have a lot of opportunity to extend grace. We're going to have a lot of opportunity and be called upon to be the lenses, the living lenses, through which others can see the one who forgave in order to give life. He called us to this kind of love. And he really expects it. He's looking to us to love in this way. We know we can't do it without the power of the Spirit, but I want to challenge you this morning to say that there's something else. We can't do it without the vision to see it either. Because if we can't see the possibility of it, actually see the possibility of it, there as well as here, then we're not going to be open to that Spirit actually working through us to do it. To forgive even those who are killing us. The end of Stephen's story. There was an opportunity for one in particular to see through the lens called Stephen. And while it took a long time before he could process it and understand what he had seen, someday Saul would recognize what he saw. And it would be an instrumental part, I'm confident, an instrumental part of his Christian development the one we know is probably the greatest apostle ever, the Apostle Paul, holding the clothes of those who were killing Stephen.
If we can be the lenses, folks. If we can be the lenses through which other people can see Jesus. Imagine what's possible. We sing the words. Through the eyes of man, it seems there's so much we have lost. As we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked, we don't have a problem seeing down that road. But later in the, in the song we sing, and by your spirit breathe upon them, that's the daughters and the wayward sons, and show the world that you alone can save. It's a part of the mystery of God, but He has chosen to use us through which to show the world His Son. How well do you see? How clearly can you be the lens for someone else? Imagine what it's like when someone sees for the first time. Lord, help us. Help us to be 